which is highly unlikely. Thus, I think it's fair as a Titans fan to say, all right, bring on week 18. That is all that matters right now. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, December the 19th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and I am joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Uh, very exciting day of football one way or another. A lot of lot of crazy finishes. This is However, true. it was probably one of my least favorite days of football watching, mostly because I had to sweat out the entire one o'clock slate of games only <laughs> to find out that all of my players on my fantasy team in the three o'clock Absolutely mailed it in today, and they I lost the first round in. of the playoffs. Which, you know, we'll get them next year, I guess. But it was it was not a good day of watching football for me. My heart sank in that three o'clock window. <laughs> well, you and all of the Titans fans who watched their Titans nearly win a game that nobody seemingly thought they could win against a Chargers team that is perceived to be relatively good. We're going to get into all of that today, and once again, I have to for the fourth time in a row, unfortunately, congratulate all of you who are listening for listening, despite the fact that it's not very fun to be a Titans fan right now. And I know how that feels to be a fan of a team. And when things are going as roughly as they currently are for the Titans, it's not very exciting to tune in during the week to all of the usual fan content that you consume, but you're here through the thick and the thin. And we appreciate that. If, if you know, our audience was, was predicated on whether the team won or lost, Eventually, we would have no audience and be out of a job, JT. So we appreciate you all listening. We're going to keep it brief today because, I, again, I know how it feels. And I know you don't want to sit here and listen to an hour, an hour and a half. But let's talk about this game and break down every angle, just every nitpicked detail and, and go through everything in, with a fine tooth comb. You don't want to hear that. And I know that you don't. I understand that. We're going to try to keep this as close to 30 minutes today as we possibly can. We've made it bare bones for you. And um, I, I don't even have winners and losers today because I wasn't at the game, first of all. But also, it was a late afternoon game, and we're recording this at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. And frankly, it's just I've had too many things to do with my job outside of writing the winners and losers article today to get to that. So we're going to do um, just some some topics that I want to break down today instead of winners and losers. And we'll have winners and losers again, hopefully on Saturday, on Christmas Eve, when the Titans host the Texans in six days. So today's game, there were a number of things that happened, I think, that were more interesting for fans than anticipated. Again, they, they came into this game, the Titans, with so many people out, with so many reasons why fans disbelieved in their ability to even make this a competitive matchup. Many fans were talking about just mailing this one in and calling it quits and fighting to live another day. Titans didn't do that. And if you know Mike Rabel, you know that's not how it's going to work. It was a brutal loss, and there's no way to sugarcoat this one. All things considered, it's it's a really more painful one than I think it otherwise would have been. I think this would have been a more palatable loss to stomach if it hadn't been all that close. But it was close until the very last second of the game. And unfortunately, the Titans defense, the unit that had done so much and kept the Titans in the game all game long. Really, the defense doesn't deserve any blame for how this game went. The offense does, but in the end it was the defense that allowed the chargers to get down into field goal range with under a minute and no timeouts remaining. And for them to kick the game winning field goal to win by three, the Titans fought like hell, man. They, they played 
much harder than I, I think they um, were expected to. I think they played much harder than many other teams would have in their shoes. And they battled through some insane adversity. The way that Mike Vrabel explained it after the game, he said that this team spilled its guts out on the field and that he didn't really know what to say to them because he felt bad that they spilled their guts out on the field and they didn't have a win to show for it. In the end, it simply wasn't good enough. And because of that, the Titans are now only one game ahead of the Jaguars in the AFC South, which will break down right now. So I think that if you, and this isn't revisionist history, JT, because this is what I was saying and you were saying last week on Friday and on Saturday in anticipation of this game. I don't think this result in the end, as painful as it was on a in a vacuum, right? When, when you get invested into this game, in a vacuum as a fan, it's a painful result. However, if you let cooler heads prevail, walk it off, let an hour to distance yourself from that result and think about where the Titans are in the grand scheme of things right now, nothing really new came of this win or this, this loss rather. And I I think if you, you follow me on Twitter, then, you know, I tweeted out last week when the Friday injury report came out and we saw how basically every Titan that was questionable coming into this week, was out and that nobody was really fighting to play earlier than, than they might otherwise choose to play. Nobody was fighting to get back despite not being a hundred percent healthy. They were missing seven wide receivers, seven wide receivers. It's late JT. They were missing seven starters on defense plus their wide receiver one plus their starting left tackle. And again, seemingly nobody was pushing to play through their injuries. The Titans came into this game, I think, based on what they telegraphed to us from how they handled their injuries this week. They came into this game and the next two games, frankly, realizing and and knowing that on their billboard of priorities, week 18 in Jacksonville is at the very top, and it doesn't really have much competition. Yes, there were ways coming into these three games before that finale. The Titans could clinch the division before they got into that final game. But the odds were, and I think that anybody who's a reasonable viewer of what was going on in the AFC South and with the Jaguars and the Titans right now, I think it was clear that the most likely outcome was that week 18 would come down to it would come down to week 18 to decide who the champion of this division was. The Titans now on a four game losing streak but coming into the game on a three game streak, it was pretty clear that they had blown what should have been a cakewalk division win and I guess blown is the wrong word because they've not lost the division, they're still in the lead and they still control their own destiny. But it's no longer that given that it was for the majority of the year, the idea that they would win the division outright and, and it wouldn't be all that close. I mean, I I remember tweeting a while ago, JT, when we saw the Jaguars start to trend in the right direction, that the broke take was the Titans got lucky two years in a row, getting to face the Colts before Halloween and get a team with a new quarterback each year and an offense that was struggling before they started to hit their stride later in the season. That's the broke take. The woke take is the Titans may have gotten significantly unlucky by catching this Jaguars team twice at the end of the year this year when they started to figure things out. And I think that that is eminently true and obvious. Like, is there any is there any argument that this is the wrong time of the year to have to play the Jacksonville Jaguars twice? They look really good and they got a win today against the Cowboys. That was an absurd game and a crazy, crazy ending 
to the 1 p.m. or the noon window games. I almost, by the way, JT wrote winners and losers today um, halfway as a joke by just making the only losers section injuries and the only winners section Shig and Hooper, which would be the, the, I think, fourth consecutive week that I made Shig and Hooper a winners section in the column. Um, They are really the only viable wide receivers that the Titans have on this team right now outside of Derrick Henry, who can get yards after the catch in the receiving game. That's both a credit to them and the Titans going from a a tight end core that was non-existent last year to a tight end core that is their two best receivers and both very good tight ends. And it's also a, a, a very telling aspect of this team that they're two best receivers right now without Traylon Burks and arguably Kyle Phillips on the roster is two tight ends. That's not great. You don't want your tight ends to be your best receivers, but I, I think when you break down the Titans situation in the division right now, the Titans magic number remains three to win the division. It was that when they came into this game It is still that today. And they have two games remaining before the week 18 game against Jacksonville, meaning the Titans have two more games and the Jaguars have two more games until they face each other. The Titans need three of those four games to go their way to clinch the division before week 18, which is highly unlikely. Thus, I think it's fair as a Titans fan to say, all right, bring on week 18. That is all that matters right now. And I think the Titans realized this before this week's game against the Chargers, and that's why they handled injuries the way that they did. And I think that that is where any reasonable person should be right now if you're a Titans fan. Turn off your emotion machine. Just absorb NFL football for the next two weeks. Watch the Titans or don't watch the Titans. I'm not sure it quite matters. All that matters if you're a Titans fan right now is week 18 against the Jaguars. Because in order for the Titans to clinch the division before week 18, just to go into even more detail, because you're probably saying, Easton, hang on, three or four of these two Titans games and two Jaguars games going the Titans way. It's unlikely, but it's possible. Let me let me elaborate on that. In order for the Titans to clinch before week 18, they must, must have at least one of the two following things happen. They must win their next two games, the Titans win versus Houston, hosting Houston, and then hosting the Cowboys on Thursday night football on short rest. Or they must at least have Jacksonville lose at the Jets. Possible, but the Jags are going to be favored in that game, I think. And lose at Houston. Two away games, but I think losing at Houston is an unlikelihood and I think that they're going to be a better team than the Jets going into that game and so in order for those things to to transpire and the Titans win the division before week 18 they need one of those two things to happen double Titans wins or double Jaguars and losses and one of the other things so like even if the Titans win versus Houston and Dallas if Jaguar if the Jaguars win both of their games if both of those things happen doesn't matter still comes down to week 18. All of that is a bunch of number number mumbo jumbo. The point here is statistically, it is very, 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 very unlikely that the Titans have anything left to play for in terms of getting into the playoffs and winning the AFC South than week 18 at Jacksonville. And so that's going to come down to what I think is going to be a very, very exciting finale to the season, JT, even if the Titans are on a 
what six game losing streak at that point, which is, you know, that's on the table that could be within the cards. I don't know if you watched the Houston Texans played it again today against the chiefs, you know, that they were kind of feisty out there. If, if I think if the Texans play the way that they played this week against the chiefs on Saturday in Nashville against the Titans and the Titans are still as beat up as they currently are, the Texans have a pretty good chance of winning that game, frankly. And then Dallas, of course, is a very good team who lost today to the Jaguars, but I think as a team that will absolutely be favored on the road against Tennessee on a short week on Thursday night in, in a couple of weeks. And, and so that's going to be another tough one for them. I want to talk about Todd Downing, and I don't want to go on the the rampage that many have been going on, myself included, for the past two years. Like I understand he's bad. We know he's bad. He needs to be let go all of these things yes we we understand that it's i'm not going to beat that dead horse it's boring what i will say in terms of this game in particular is two things this is twofold the first of which is and he didn't have a terrible game he wasn't horrible through and through he didn't single-handedly keep them from winning the game necessarily although there was one sequence that we're going to talk about here in a moment that i think you could argue may have ended up costing them the game first there were two opportunities for the Titans to get a first down on third and two. They had two third and two opportunities. I believe they were both in the second half, but I'm not positive. I know at least one was. And twice he chose for the Titans with Ryan Tannehill on a bum ankle and an offensive line that was bloodied, bruised and beat up. And also when they're healthy, bad to pass the ball on third and two twice when he had Derrick Henry, who is not just Derrick Henry and should be trusted to get two yards really in most all circumstances, but also Henry was averaging five yards per carry in this game, five yards per carry. I mean, this was one of his better rushing days of the year. He had over a hundred yards. He had over 160 yards from scrimmage. If you include receiving and rushing, he had a fantastic day. And I think JT has an interesting stat on that in the news here in a moment, but He was getting what he wanted and for Todd Dunning not to recognize, Hey, this guy's getting two yards at least on almost every single carry we're giving him. It's third and two. How about we, you know, run to our future hall of fame running back, have him get the two yards, live to see another down set of downs and not have to punt on fourth and two twice. He didn't choose to do that. And at least on one of those third and twos, I know that Ryan Tannehill took a sack because of course he did because Dennis Daly or Nicholas Petit Ferrer, or or whoever let up a pressure and Tannehill had no time to throw the ball or or and to be fair to the offensive line he had enough time he had north of two two and a half three seconds to pass and there simply was not anybody downfield open enough to receive said pass and that's another issue that this Titans team is having right now again outside of Chig and Hooper and Henry and occasionally racing McMath like once a game there's really nobody on this Titans team playing receiver that is healthy because you got Traylon Burks and you've got Kyle Phillips on IR right now, both of which or Kyle Phillips on IR Traylon Burks injured, both of which can actually separate nobody healthy and available for this Titans team with wide receiver next to their name can separate. Not Robert Woods, not NWI, not any of the practice squad guys. They continue to bring up, to try to fill in that Chris Conley, right? I mean, it's it's bad. It's very, very bad, JT. And so the other thing that I wanted to talk about with Todd Downing, this is the sequence that I think if you were going to put significant game-long implications on this game for, 
that was a poorly worded sentence. Let's try that again. There, if you're going to put blame on Todd Downing for this game as a whole, is what I mean to say. This is the sequence that I think, I think you could point to and say, hey, at the very least, this cost the Titans in a big way. So it's in the second half. The Titans are, it's really their only scoring opportunity that they had in the entire second half. This is the only time they got even close to the red zone outside, of course, the last series of the game when they scored a touchdown. The Titans get down to the Chargers 25 off of a Derrick Henry run for 13 yards. Again, Derrick Henry thrashing, thrashing the Chargers bad run defense at this point. 13 yards, you get a fresh set of downs on first and 10. You get a new first and 10 at the Chargers 25. You just run Derrick Henry again, right, JT? Of course, of course. No, Todd Downing decides it's time to pass the ball. And with a bum ankle Ryan Tannehill, he decides he's going to drop back and Tannehill gets blown up and sacked for negative six yards. End of the third quarter. We go into the fourth quarter. First play of the fourth quarter. It's now second and 16 at the Chargers 31. Still in field goal range, but you, you'd like to get a touchdown here. You're you're down 14 to seven, I believe, at the time. And uh, you've got Derrick Henry up the middle. Well, finally. Okay, great. They went back to Derrick Henry up the middle for seven yards. So now, now it's manageable. Now you're set third and nine. Once again, Derrick Henry gets over five yards. A carry, he's got you back down to the Chargers' 24-yard line. Third and nine. Well, at this point, you kind of have to throw, and this is a this is a mess of Todd Downing's own making. Now the Titans drop back to try to pass again to convert on third and nine, and Ryan Tannehill does the one thing that he can't do, which is take a sack for negative nine yards, which turns, I guess, what would have been a 42-yard field goal, which is well within the Randy Bullock zone. We, we well-established. South of 45 yards, very comfortable for old fat Randy. What is not in the Randy zone is a 51-yard field goal, which is what he had to try to attempt, and he missed. So not only did the Titans not get a touchdown on a drive when you could, I think, reasonably assume you continue to run Henry, you probably get in the end zone here. They also walk away with no points, and they cannot make this a closer game than than it was, and they cannot make it as close a game as it should have been, frankly, because Todd Downing did such a poor, poor, poor job calling these plays all right the last thing that i want to talk about today before I, I i get us out of here is the titans injury situation but before we do that we're going to go to jt with some titans news let's get into some quick hits here on this abbreviated news segment with derrick henry now in some rarefied air with his 21 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown day derrick henry is now the seventh player in nfl history to rush for over 8,000 yards and score over 75 touchdowns in their first 100 games just goes to show you how close this guy is to being a hall of fame lock if he's not already and how good he is on the field i mean frankly jt he had north of 160 total offensive yards today and i think the titans had I know that they had less than 300 total offensive yards as a team, so he accounted for over half of the offense today. And I think if you add Chigakonkwo onto that total, him and Chig accounted for like 75, 85% of the offense on the day. Um, it's bad. He's one of the only, if not the only, explosive playmaker that this offense has to offer right now. And it shows, and teams can key in on him, and if they shut him down, they, they win easily. And frankly, even if they let him go for 160-some-odd yards they still can win the game because he's the only guy that the Titans have. 
literally that one touchdown drive for them where they went 63 yards down the field was all derrick henry on one of those all so 63 yards it, it, it's crazy but also <laughs> now that you mention it our other buddy chig Okonkwo here also set his own record as we said on uh, the Thursday show, Chig needed 10 yards to break the rookie tight end receiving record for the Titans. And with his four catches for 54-yard performance, he did just that. Yeah, he was fantastic today. Once again, Chig continues to, frankly, get underutilized with the Titans offense. But when they do utilize him, he is one of the most explosive players on the field. So it's more and more confusing each week why he's not getting more focus in the passing game. But when he does... It's electric. He's the man. Moving on to just kind of an odd stat and just kind of shows you how frustrating it is. We're going to get into some of this injury talk. But during the broadcast today on CBS, the announcer said that only 14% of the Titans snaps on defense this season have included Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, and Bud Dupree together on the field, which is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, you've got, I mean, outside of Harold Landry, who was supposed to be the fourth horseman in this just aggressively painful front to have to face against the Titans, this front four that was supposed to be nasty like they were last year. Those three guys with Landry injured were supposed to be the key to this Titans pass rush. And frankly, they are the key to this Titans pass rush. And yet you've only seen all three of them on the field together for 14% of the, the snaps. You've, I, I'm guessing you have seen just one of the three on the field more often than you have seen all three on the field. And so uh, it's no shock that the Titans pass rush has really struggled down the stretch and it has shown because it's one of the things that carries this team. Let's move on to just looking at the NFL now as a wide perspective here. We got a couple of other teams who clinched playoff spots today. The Chiefs clinched their division with a gutsy win over the Texans. It's a little concerning next week now that they've put two good wins against teams with 10 or more wins. It'll be it makes you a little nervous this upcoming week, but they got the job done today in overtime. The Bills also clinched a playoff berth against the Miami Dolphins on the Saturday game. And then the Vikings with that just laugh out loud, unbelievable comeback victory. the biggest comeback in NFL history, that one? Yes, that one. Uh, they, they clinched playing? the division. Uh, the Matt Ryan-led Colts. That's right. Oh, you mean the guy that also has the record for the Super Bowl? Uh, largest Correct. comeback Correct. allowed ever that guy yes oh man poor matt poor matt poor matt. the vikings clinched their division and then the 49ers led by brock purdy also clinched their division so we are starting to get clinching scenarios all up and down the schedule in these next couple of weeks and finally in this new segment we've been doing it every single week and we got a new uh contender in the ring here um, so we're going to do our moment of silence. Hang on, hang on, JT. Team. I was thinking about this. I don't want to do it. Moment of silence is so cliche. I don't want to do moment of silence. Let's, let's clap it up for the teams. that Clap it up. Right. Okay. Who, who's well, gone? Let's Hang give on. a round of applause here for the Trace, now Trace McSorley-led Arizona Cardinals. Right. Way let's to clap, go, guys. Let's clap it up for the Cardinals. Better <laughs> luck next year, guys. Five Better luck next NFL. year. Better luck with a new coach year, and a, without your starting quarterback for most of the year. Yeah, okay, is that is that all today? For That'll the be it for today. <laughs> all right, that is producer JT with the news. Thank you for that. Now, finally, before we get out of here, and I know we have about seven minutes left before the self-imposed deadline I had for today's show, I want to talk about the breadth of Titans injuries that they have sustained of late and in this game in particular. 
So the, the Titans are in such a bad shape right now. I, I mean, I don't think anybody was all that shocked, frankly, when on the third play of the game, Ryan Tannehill goes down writhing in pain with an ankle injury that I believe was to the same ankle that had been injured. But actually, I say that he's injured both ankles this year. So one of his previously in- injured ankles, um, it was a, a problem for him all day. And, and frankly, I think it's going to become a problem down the stretch here for the Titans. And we saw his first major in- ankle injury this year. He finished that game out, too, with some a serious tape job. He then missed two games. We'll have to see just how he feels in the morning. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he's a guy that is available for the next three weeks. He spoke to media in the locker room after the game. I believe this video is courtesy of our friend of the show, Paul Kaharski. This is what he had to say about being carted off early in the game with an ankle injury and then returning to play. Probably worse than it looked. Uh, a lot of pain, you know, whatever the top rating on pain scale was, it was that. And, um, you know, felt some, some stuff happen in there. It didn't feel great. A lot of pain, so, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a good feeling initially. Um, you know, that, that crazy intense pain calmed down a little bit after, uh, after a little bit of time and, um, you know, came in. So it was it was ultimately in the end of the game, the, the Titans missing four of their five best corners that did them in um, without without any help uh, in the secondary when when they were trying to play prevent with the Chargers driving down the field with just seconds remaining. They had I forget even who it was exactly, but they had some practice. Squad, Greg Maben is who it was practice squad cornerback, Greg Maben, cornerback six or seven guarding Mike Williams, which I shouldn't have to tell you is a dramatic mismatch. Um, I actually was talking to some some fan friends of mine today after the game, and they were just furious that maybe didn't get his head around on that play and even recognized that the ball was probably coming. And my basic point to them was I being furious is I, I get it. It's infuriating. It totally is. But being surprised that he didn't get his turn, turned his head around is kind of ridiculous to me because, again, he's a practice squad cornerback playing against Mike Williams, a top, I don't know, 20 wide receiver in the NFL, at least when he's healthy. He's a stud, and this guy isn't even on an NFL roster outside of the extenuating circumstances the Titans are in right now. Being surprised that he's just the inferior athlete is, I think, uh, uh, naive, foolish. It's it's not a fair way of looking at Greg Mabin, who was doing his best out there, buddy, and being put in a position that he should have never been put in, but the Titans' injury hell dictated it. I'm going to go through, I spent a, a while after the game today charting out just how rough the Titans have it with injuries right now, and I want to go through that. But first, we have a couple of videos from Bud Dupree in the locker room, which is brought to us by Teron Davenport of ESPN, friend of the show, and then Kevin Byard, which is another clip from Paul Kaharski, both of which asked about the injuries the Titans have sustained of late and, and just what is going on. And here's what the, they had to say. JT, let's start with the Dupree clip. Get this thing turned around. Yeah, man. And then, you know, people, we got to stay healthy. Uh, okay. yeah. We got to stay healthy. You know, that, I, know, I know we say this all the time, but it, it, it matters, you know, when, when you jail, when people are in and out of the game and you know, being able to being able to have a, a, a mess with guys. So and that's part of the problem that we really got right now. And uh, uh, as a group, as a unit, we always need to get better. We got to turn this thing around. Now let's listen to Kevin. Like, I don't know. I don't have any answers for you. I don't know injuries. Like, I've never been a part of anything like this. 
Um, like you on the sideline and it's like you see guys come out, guys go in and then kind of scramble on the sideline trying to get replacements and it's just like, like I said, I don't, like you know I don't got no answer for you, but it's, it's one thing that you kind of just try to just block out your mind when you're on the field and you're on the sideline because you understand that we got to play. Whoever's out there, they got to go out there and try to execute. Is it ridiculous though? I mean, Clearly, I mean, you think it's yeah. ridiculous, I'm sure. So, I mean, everybody does. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know. I don't really know the formula behind it. But we can do better to not get injuries. I don't know. It's just very unfortunate. Y'all don't realistically. Yeah, unfortunate and ridiculous are fair ways to put it. I was trying after the game on Twitter to summarize the Titans injury situation. And here's what I came up with from this game alone. They already came into the game missing seven defensive and two offensive starters. They had defensive tackle Tier Tart as a healthy scratch before the game, which was confusing until the broadcast said that he went to be with his partner early yesterday afternoon, I think is when they said. At some point yesterday, on Saturday, he left L.A. with the team to be with his partner who was giving birth to his child, which is, you know, it sucks for the Titans, but that's what you have to do. That's the important thing. Ryan Tannehill. On the third play of the game, down with an ankle, was questionable for the rest of the game, missed a drive that was basically burned because the Titans didn't go anywhere with Malik Willis, and then was immobile the rest of the game. Offensive lineman Dylan Radens, who came in at left tackle for a little bit. Mike Ribble said after the game that he and Dennis Daly were going to rotate a little bit, and then they played 19 snaps of Dylan Radens until he went down with a knee injury and was questionable to return, but didn't ever come back. It was Dennis Daly the rest of the day, which is fantastic for the Titans. You had linebacker Dylan Cole go down with an ankle injury. He's a second string guy. He came back a little bit to play, but as an injured player, he was questionable to return with that ankle. Cornerback Terrace Mitchell went down with his hamstring that he'd been nursing for, I think, a couple of weeks now, was out of the game. You had safety Andrew Adams with a wrist injury in this game become questionable. He was one of their starters of late, and he did not return. Defensive back Josh Thompson, who's a practice squatter, went out with concussion. Left guard Nate Davis, who's obviously very important to this very shaky Titans offensive line. He went down in the second quarter with an ankle injury after a very, very brutal friendly fire from Derrick Henry, who rolled up on Davis's ankle. He was out and you had Corey Levin come in to fill his spot, which Corey Levin is offensive lineman eight on this team, I'm pretty sure. And then you had finally linebacker Jackie Gibbons, who went out with a hmm, they didn't tell us. And he was out. He's a practice squatter at linebacker, and they had to replace him with somebody that, as a guy who follows the team and knows everybody's name, or at least is familiar with everybody's name on the practice squad and the active roster, I'd never heard of this guy. I didn't even know he existed. So I don't know if I missed anything. It was it was a lot to go back and have to track. I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players go down with an injury in this game and have to get medical attention, some of which came back, but most of which did not. I also went through and looked at who the Titans finished the game with the, the best available players at each position to create their best available starting 11 on offense and starting 11 on defense, who they had at the end of the game on offense. They had offensive tackle two and three, or maybe four, depending on how you view Dennis Daly guard two and four center one tight end one and two. Those are good wide receiver two and three, no Burks running back one good quarterback one, but a hurt Ryan Tannehill. Defensive tackle, one and three, missing Tier Tart. Outside linebacker, two and three, missing Harold Landry, of course. Inside linebacker, three and four. Number four was hurt for half the game. Cornerback, two, six, and seven. That's uh, not great. Not great to be missing cornerback one, three, four, and five. 
And then finally, safety one and four, missing safety two and three. So (laughs) this is the conclusion I came to. Guys, I think there's an unironic case to be made that the Titans all injured starting 22 might be a better team (laughs) top to bottom than the Titans all healthy 22. I think that's the precipice that we've reached right now, which is astonishing and shouldn't be possible. And this entire week of Titans media is going to consist of, if not primarily, at least as an underlying narrative, what can we do about the Titans training staff? What can we do about the Titans medical personnel? We talked about this on Thursday's show, on Friday's show, rather. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to my thoughts on that. But this will be something we talk about the rest of the year into the offseason. Frankly, it's something that we've been talking about for a year and a half Now it's gotten very, very old. A long time ago, it got very old. And nobody, if anybody tells you they have the answer, they um, are lying to you. I think that there are reasonable, plausible explanations that we um, can conclude. But ultimately, I think that it's, first of all, not one thing. There's a number of things that are going wrong. Somebody today texted me, a friend of mine. He said, do the Titans have the worst injury luck of all time? Or do they have a problem with the way that they approach their training staff and health and safety? And I said, yes. The answer is, I think that both of those things are true. And so it'll be something we talk about for a long time. But the bottom line is at this point, the Titans are so beat up. If they do not get significantly more healthy than they currently are by week 18, which if you can't tell by the title of this episode and what we started the show with is the only game left that the Titans have that matters before the playoffs, they're probably going to choke away what should have been a third straight AFC South division title. So they've got two weeks to get healthy and prepare for that. And until later this week for our regular Friday show on a Christmas Eve Eve, JT, excited to meet with you then and talk about the Titans hosting the Texans on a special Christmas Eve Saturday edition of football at Nissan Stadium. I'll be there to cover it. You and I will meet that evening or Sunday evening. You know what? We'll probably do an episode for Monday morning, the day after Christmas, because nobody is going to want to be listening to this podcast they listen to on Christmas morning. Enjoy that Sunday with your family. We'll have a show out for you on Monday morning talking Titans and Texans, but the next show on this feed will be Titans and Texans preview on Friday morning, first thing bright and early. Until then, for producer JT, I'm Easton Freeze. I hope you have a great week.